Have you ever wondered if you could make a difference? This podcast brings you inspirational people who are making a tremendous difference. We will also be talking to experts in the field of creating the mindset you need so that nothing holds you back from making your vision a reality right now. Welcome to the Game Changers Podcast. And now, here's your host, Michelle Dutro. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Game Changer Podcast. I can't tell you how excited I am to be talking this week to one of my truly most favorite people that I have had the honor to run across, as we all do in life's path. And we think that we're in a conference or in a meeting or at a coffee shop for some reason. And then little do you realize, but maybe the reason you're there is to cross one person's path in particular. And truthfully, that is what PJ Dixon is to me. We were at this Thrive Conference. I referenced it if you heard uh, my first and third podcast interviews. Uh, you are very well aware, actually even more than that now that I think about it, because I've interviewed a couple of people regarding the Thrive Conference. And PJ was there. So I sat towards the front. He was to the right of me. And this was a three-day conference, I believe. Now it was back in October. But we kept making eye contact and, you know, knew we wanted to connect and knew we wanted to talk. But, uh, you know, people and things and distractions, there's a lot of folks and a lot of distractions, whatever. Anyway, suffice it to say that by the last day of this, uh, we finally connected and said, hey, do you want to grab lunch? I would really love to meet and talk. And I truly do believe if there is such a thing as love at first sight, where you know when you look in someone's eyes or you see them across the room and on some level there is a soul connection of this is not our first rodeo. This is not our first pass. And it didn't take a conversation over lunch to know that. I knew it instantly. So this is who I am so honored to bring you today because to keep him all to myself, which I would love to, let's be clear about that, <laughs> would absolutely not be the right thing to do. And so since this is my Valentine's Day love series, the second I decided to put on a series as it relates to love and how we perceive love and how we feel about love, I swear to you on my life, PJ was my very first person that said, this is who I must interview on this topic. So a little bit of background. I'm going to read you some of his bio, uh, which says his love, his commitment to love has earned him the title of love guru, which I happen to agree with, which causes him to smile and inspires him to live, love and share more fully every day. PJ is a lifelong motivational speaker, spiritual teacher, and relationship coach. He is also the creator of Learning to Love, a four-step program designed to help people reconnect with their heart and learn to love themselves, their lives, and others more completely. We're going to catch up later on in this podcast as to what he's doing now and what his latest endeavors are and where he's at. So uh, we'll touch more on that uh, in a bit. Um, outside of that... Uh, despite his disability, which was expected to take his life by age seven, he chose to live and live well. 39 years later, PJ's a 10th degree black belt in martial arts. PJ, I'd like you to know, I didn't share this at lunch, but I want you to know that in Taekwondo, I could probably take you because I am a yellow belt. <laughs> yeah, a yellow belt. That's right. I don't, I don't like to normally bring that up and brag about it, but I, I earned that yellow belt in uh, Taekwondo uh, hard. So, I, so, you know, I have that. Uh, martial arts and women's self-defense instructor, meditation teacher, former wheelchair athlete, adventure seeker, 
watercolorist, which is totally cool, author and in the National Hall of Fame for people with disabilities. PJ loves his life and lives every day to inspire others to, to, uh, to love theirs. This right here is, is exactly why I love PJ and why I know in this podcast, you're going to fall in love with him as well and how he's going to inspire you and maybe have you look at love in a little different way. So with that, my dearest PJ, is there anything that I left out as it relates to what folks really should know about you? I don't know that you left anything about out about what people should know about me, but let me say this. I cannot tell you how honored I am to be on your podcast. And when you said there was love at first sight, there's no lie to that. We had a connection that I can't think that I felt from anyone in maybe my whole life. When we sat down to have lunch and our conversation started when it was just you and I, remember we had somebody that joined us for the first part of the lunch and then she so sweetly recognized that you and I wanted to make that connection. And as she scurried off, you and I immediately turned towards each other. And there was a connection that was deep and palpable and strong and fascinating and like everything else in the world washed away and it wasn't like one of these like everything washed away and you know all this romance and stuff like that it was like this everything washed away and there was power between us there was strength between us and there was unity and oneness and it was a fascinating study for me and I absolutely believe in love at first sight and on all different levels and so I'm really really honored to be featured on your podcast with you and I will give you anything and everything that I can today and I will give anything and everything that I can to your listeners. Oh, see, see what I mean here, ladies? <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about and it is true. We had such an amazing connection and uh, if I could have sat there for five days straight just talking I would have absolutely done that. It, it ended far too soon. And no matter how much time we had together, mm. I would have said it ended too soon. I agree. Absolutely. 100%. It was, I just felt drawn to you. I, I love it. And, I, and you know, people who you know are going to be in your life forever, mm -hmm. who you just know, no matter what, you are going to stay in contact and you want to know how they're doing and what they're doing. That's you to me. So I, I love the fact that, that uh, you know, that we're just kind of having this little online love affair right now in front of, uh, you know, a few thousand people. So I love it. I love it, darling. I love it. I love it. And we are. So I, I want to touch on this because it certainly speaks to your bio, but if it was missed by anybody, cause I kind of breeze through a lot of different things. I do want to touch on this before we dive into this uh, love chat here. And that is that I think that people feel in their life that they are facing a challenge or a hurdle or something that is insurmountable or better yet, something that nobody else could even imagine having to endure. And you embody really living a life that you love, no matter what the external limitation may seem like, truly like nobody else I've ever run across. And, and if somebody were to show up with your level of love and compassion and understanding without any external hurdles, that would be one thing. But the fact of the matter is you do. And so I want to deviate just for a split second here as to a little bit about your background story and, you know, the fact that you are 
in a wheelchair, how long you have been and why is it? And I do believe it's your heart. I do believe it's because you come from this place of love that you see more to life than just some external experience that most of us are limited by. And this to me is truly the grace and the beauty of you of what, of what internal beauty and love really is. And you embody that in, in every way, shape and form. And so I would love to know from your perspective, if you showed up that way in life, how you got here and how it is that you exude such joy and happiness. When, like I said, from an external appearance, people would assume that, uh, you would certainly have reason not to. Yeah, that's, um, a fascinating longer story maybe, but I'll, I'm going to share some really big highlights because I think they're the most important highlights for me. And so let's start here. Was I born this way? The real answer is yes. And um, nurtured this way. Also, I would say that I've never known anything but love. My mom was an amazing mom filled with love, filled with feminine grace, an amazing mom. And I was only expected to live until I was seven years old. And she took me to the doctor at four and said, my son wants to go to, to school. Can I send him to school? Because I was born with a very rare form of muscular dystrophy. And the doctor said, if you send your son um, to school, he'll be dead by seven years old. And she said, well, right there in the doctor's office, she said, it's his life and he gets to make that decision. And she asked me later and I said, I want to go to school. And so I went. And so um, I think I was partially nurtured this way, but I was also born this way. I wasn't raised in the church. I wasn't raised in the Buddhist temple. I wasn't raised in the synagogue. I just literally have always been a spiritual guy. It's just part of my makeup. I remember being five years old and saying to two of my friends, a little boy and a little girl who lived in my neighborhood, actually in my apartment complex, right there, literally like two doors down and next door to me. I remember when I was five years old saying to them, God is in that bush and God is in that tree and God is in that blade of grass and God is in you and God is in me. So that makes us brothers and sisters. And, you know, being little children, they didn't say, oh, well, I don't believe that or anything like that. They're just like, yeah, of course. But I wasn't raised that way. Like, where did that come from? I don't know where that came from. And so, that's just kind of the way I was when I was nine and 10 years old. I remember praying and again, I wasn't raised in the church. Yes, we had the, you know, the prayer that you had when you were a little kid. Now I lay me down to sleep and whatever. I forget even how it goes now. But I remember being nine and 10 years old and praying on my own and saying, God, give me their suffering. Give me their burden. And I don't know where I heard this, you know, um, and when I said their burden and their suffering, I meant anyone in the world, man, woman, child, old, poor, um, young, wealthy. It didn't matter to me. I just knew that I didn't want anybody to suffer. And so I remember praying and crying at nine or 10 years old and saying, give it to me, God, I'll carry it so they don't have to. And even though there was a part of me that was scared about carrying their burden and the pain and the suffering that it might bring on me, I was real i knew that i would rather carry it and suffer it so that they didn't have to and that's just who i've always been i don't know anything different and i wouldn't want to know anything different and then a part of the story that you don't know if we fast forward to when i moved here to arizona 18 years ago in november or october of 1997 i sat and i i had just moved to arizona and I sat in the room that I was renting from a friend of mine and everybody in the house was asleep. And I sat there and I prayed and I said, God, I moved to Arizona because I believe this is the direction you wanted me to go. Please 
tell me what you want me to do with my life and I'll do anything you want. Now, I've been a motivational speaker since I was seven years old because I didn't die at seven. So, you know, I figure one of two things, either, you know, God is pissed and I have to work off my karma or I've got something good to do, which is, I, you know, which is what I hope. So, but I remember sitting there and saying, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I'll do anything. Just tell me what you want me to do. And then I sat in complete silence and became profoundly, deeply, spiritually still. And in that stillness, all of a sudden, a golden, a pillar of golden light came through the ceiling, hit me in the top of the head, filled up my entire body and said, love. I heard the word, audibly heard the word love. And in that moment, I said, okay, but this is easy. I've been a motivational speaker my whole life. All I've ever done is love other people. So I, I just knew in that moment, I was like, okay, well, all I have to do is love. I just have to love in that moment. You know, just everything I do, anything I do, just make sure there's love involved in it. And that's easy. I can do that. That's easy. But what happened was five months later, I had been having visions of being hit by a car. And I was afraid that it was, I don't drive. And so I, you know, take the bus and I was afraid that a car was going to jump the curb while I was sitting in a bus stop and hit me. And so I would think about like, well, where should I sit? And should I sit behind the, the um, bus station, like little kind of seat and covering? Should I sit by the trash can? You know, which direction should I face? If somebody does jump the curb, can I get out of my wheelchair quick enough? So all these things are going through my head. Well, remember in 1997, October 1997 is when I had that vision. In April of 1998, I was walking to martial arts class and I saw this SUV waiting to come out into traffic. I looked at oncoming traffic. There's no possible place for it to come out. So I took the shot. I walked out in front of it. And I didn't even think about my vision that I'd been having about being hit at a, um, by, um, by a car at a bus stop. I didn't even think about that. And I looked at oncoming traffic. There's no place for them to uh, come out as far as I could see. So I walked out in front of him and the gentleman gunned it. He stepped on the gas, hit me on my left side, threw me out into three lanes of traffic, crumpled my wheelchair underneath his car. And as I was rolling, I had, I had time enough to say, God, whatever you do, please just don't let him uh, roll over my pelvis. The front driver's side wheel came to rest, leaning against my pelvis. Two more inches and he would have crushed my pelvis. So that's not the end of the story, right? So everybody with, you know, almost a near-death experience, you know, this is where, um, you know, you started to value your life. No, what happened was um, there happened to be an EMT team in the restaurant that this gentleman was coming out from, saw me get hit, ran out, picked me up, took me literally across the street to the hospital. And then for the next four or five months, I was in, you know, rehab. I, you know, I was an outpatient in and out of rehab, but they couldn't find anything wrong with me. Stick with me. I'm almost done to the end of my story. And so at the, at the end of these four or five months, my physical therapist said, PJ, I don't know what to do. We've done massage. We've done range of motion. We've done electric stem. We've, you know, taken x-rays. We've done CAT scans. We cannot figure out where the pain is coming from or what's going on. He said, there's one thing left that um, I have been talking to my mentor about. And he said that your hip bone might be popped out of place. And so he palpated my pubic bone and found that my pubic bone was slightly um, popped forward. And so when he popped it back into place and it was painful, but the moment he popped it back into place and I was like, ah, and popped, ah, oh, oh. It was such an amazing relief the moment the pain was gone and the moment the pain subsided, I immediately started to appreciate my life.
because I had something to compare it to. I had incredible excruciating pain where I was having a hard time working. I was having a hard time sleeping. I was having a hard time sitting. I was having a hard time showering. I was having a hard time eating because I couldn't find the right place. And then immediately the pain to be gone immediately I started to appreciate my life. And over the next few months, I realized that that epiphany that I had when the beam of light or pillar of light came through the the ceiling and filled me up and said, love, it wasn't just about me loving other people. It was about me learning to love myself and learning to love myself so that I could help other women or women. I always say other women so I could help women learn to love themselves. And that's who I am. I literally, and and let me add two more pieces to this because I forgot them. And this is important to tell you who I am. When I was 13 years old, my dad put me out to quest. And when I say put me out to quest, I mean, they put me out in the woods and walked away and left me there. Now, this is something that indigenous peoples do all over the world at approximately 13 years old. They put boys out and let women or girls um, do the changing ceremony where you change from a child into an adult. So at 13 years old, my dad put me out overnight and... I was expected to survive and take care of myself. And when I came back, that group that I was affiliated with named me um, Little One with Great Heart. And then 25 years later or something like that, 28 years later, um, I moved out to Arizona. And when I moved out, moved out to Arizona, I studied with a spiritual tradition out here too. At the end of that, they put me out again to quest again overnight. And when I came back, not knowing that I'd been named before, when I came back, they named me all-encompassing heart or universal heart. And so I realized that, Michelle, that's my name. That's who I am. I was born about love and I'll continue to be about love. My first memories are about love. And so when you ask me, was I born this way? Did I come this way? Yeah. And I was also nurtured this way. I was born to the right mom. So I hope all of you are listening because this is, uh, this is, we're dropping into the conversation at lunchtime back in Las Vegas when PJ and I first met. And this is where I, I have to imagine you're feeling there are about 97,000 different things that I would like to talk to him about. So <laughs> I feel that. And I felt that back when we first met and I feel it again right now. So I'm going to pick two of them out of this entire story that are insanely significant to me. And I believe they're significant because there are things that my audience are going to resonate with. Two things that you spoke to that I want to do a little bit of a deeper dive on. One is you said about comparison. So whether we're talking about love as a comparison or pain as a comparison, anything as a health as a comparison, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult as we're going through life and something that we have come to know as whether it's our norm or our comfort zone, whatever it is, it's, it's what we know. Mm -hmm. And until we have something to compare that to, we don't realize that maybe we are living a life that is lesser than what we should have. Mm -hmm. And so in your example of uh, this pain that you went through and this release, and I want to park that because this is a different topic I want to talk about next. The next thing I want to ask you about, but in this comparison, whether it's to pain or to love, if somebody is listening right now and they say, wow, this is an amazing story. I have always been around people who have treated me a certain way. I have been around men who, you know, maybe they don't beat me. 
You know, I wouldn't classify them as abusive. And so because they're not abusive emotionally, eh, maybe, maybe, or maybe not, but they're not physically, who am I to say? And so when our benchmark is, it's not that bad. And when our, the whole of our life is, you know, it's not that bad. Who am I to complain? It's very challenging in my role as a life coach, as somebody who's meeting with these people to say, you're comparing what your life could be to something that is the worst common denominator. But if that's all you've ever known, then that is in fact your comparison. And so I have to imagine there's a little bit of this analogy between this pain that you have come to live with, and then somebody literally physically snaps you out of it to say, holy cow, you mean right now I can breathe and this is how I can feel? And so what I want you to speak to is for those women, because you, you deal and work with, uh, lovingly with so many women on what it is to love and mainly to love yourself. If you don't have a foundation of understanding of what that release in that moment feels like, what would you offer up as advice? If your norm, if your standard is, well, it's just not that bad. So who am I to complain? And when you're trying to reach to something greater than that, and I don't have anything to tap into, I don't have anything greater than that. Um, what words of advice would you have for that gal listening right now who realizes uh, that she can identify with your story, but doesn't have a frame of reference of anything better than that? What are those words of advice for her? Well, it doesn't matter if it's a man or woman. What matters is whether or not you're present. And if you're not present, then you'll never know what peace is. And in the presence, when you are present and all of the worries of the past um, or all the, the memories of the past and all the worries and the what ifs of the future, all of those wash away and you're able to find a place of just stillness and just peace it doesn't matter whether or not you have like a drastic shift and it snaps into place where you're like oh my gosh i feel like i can breathe again oh wow that's amazing like i didn't know i could actually feel like this you can also have that same blissful feeling if you just sit in meditation if you just sit and find a place of peace if you just begin to become open and aware and receptive see i believe that my first i not i believe but the first two steps for me in terms of finding love or learning to love yourself is to become open and aware, right? Or actually, well, to become open and aware are step one and step two. I like to say that step one is becoming open and receptive. And by open, I mean allowing that mental chatter to shut down and be quiet and calm. And what most people don't have is they don't have that ability to find that quietness or that calmness within inside of them because they're so wrapped up in the mental chatter. And they're not even aware that necessarily that the mental chatter is going on because it's created so much distraction for them. But if I'm talking about it right now and you're nodding your head and you're saying, yes, that's actually kind of true. Like my mind never shuts down. Then you can live a just satisfactory life, right? Which is what Michelle was saying. But if you decide that you want to try something different and you want to be able to find that sense of peace, right? Then we've got to find a way to get you to become open and receptive. And that means open means you can't have a full mind. And if your mind, your subconscious mind is mentally chattering, then you're full. And when you become quiet, 
when you become still internally, mentally, psychologically, then all of a sudden there's state of relaxation and peace. And that's how you get that. Now, how do you get that, that openness and that receptivity? Lots of different ways, right? One way is through meditation. And you might be the kind of person who says, oh, well, I've tried meditation. It doesn't work for me. I can't get my mind to be quiet. Well, maybe one, maybe you just haven't had a good teacher, right? And two, maybe you feel like you're supposed to drop into this immediate state of complete silence, which isn't probably the case either, you know, but maybe you could actually practice just breathing and watching your breath where you breathe in through your nose, you pause, you breathe out through your mouth, you pause, and then you repeat that cycle and you repeat it in a rhythmic fashion. So you always inhale at the same pace or the same speed or the same length of time. You always pause for the same length of time. You exhale for the same length of time. Then you pause again and repeat that. Breathe in through your nose, pause. Breathe out through your nose, pause, and then repeat that cycle. And if your mind wanders, here's the important piece, right? The moment that you realize that your mind has wandered, you just go and find it and you go, oh, my mind has wandered. And just like a baby or a child who's wandered out of the yard, you don't go and get upset with it. You just walk over and you put your hand lightly or gently on its back and you say, hey, baby, come back into the yard. And you just guide them back in the yard and you do the same thing with your mind. If your mind starts to wander, the moment you realize that it's wandered, you just say, oh, okay, right, right, right. My mind wandered. Come back to my breath and through my nose, pause out through my mouth, pause. And the when I said rhythmically, I mean, maybe you inhale for four seconds every time. Maybe you pause for one or two seconds every time. Maybe you exhale for five or six seconds every time, but you maintain that rhythmic process. And also the pausing is there so you can begin to really allow yourself to relish in this silence or the stillness or the quietness. So in those pauses, while you're breathing into your brain, while you're breathing into your heart, while you're breathing into your body, those pauses, those still moments, allow them to be a moment where you can relish the peace. Or even you may start to feel a little bit high or a little bit tingly or a little bit like energized. Relish in that. Relish in that feeling. Another way is um, stage two for me in learning to love is after you become open and aware, now you can be open and receptive. Now stage two is you can become aware. Aware of all of your senses. So for me, becoming centrally aware and that doesn't necessarily mean sexually it means sensually it means your sense of taste your sense of smell your sense of touch your sense of sight right your feelings your emotions become centrally aware to those and when you become centrally aware all of a sudden you become present because we can drive from one place to another and not realize how we got there because we were thinking about the what ifs the past the future what i'm going to do later how am i going to do that what they said in the past all oh, right that book that i was reading was really fascinating you can listen to a book on tape and be so ingrained in the book on tape but you're only using one of your senses you're just using your hearing and your subconscious mind is actually driving you to work and so if you really want to become present you start to become more centrally aware to more of your senses simultaneously you make an effort to be simultaneously aware to touch 
smell, sight, sound. And the more you do that intentionally, the more the mind has to become quiet. And how do you do that? You become curious. You start asking yourself, oh, well, I wonder why that is like that. Or look at that. Or, oh, look at the shape of, of that tree. And look at the shadows on the tree. And look at where the light is on the tree. And listen to the sound of the wind coming through the tree. When you do this, you immediately start to become present again. And this is the path towards becoming learning to love. Four simple steps, becoming open and receptive, sensual, exploring your sensual awareness, appreciation, and gratitude. And you'll notice that my first two, uh, becoming open and aware and, and becoming open and receptive, and number two, becoming aware, right? These are both intellectual feats. And then when you cross over that border and you start to become appreciative and filled with gratitude, these are starting to touch on your emotions. I also just quickly, because a lot of people might be saying, well, appreciation and gratitude, those are the same thing. Not for me. For me, appreciation is internal. I'm appreciating or, or not appreciating something. I like the taste or the smell of something. I like the look of something. That's an appreciation. I'm registering whether or not I like or don't like something. When you fill up with appreciation and it wells out of you, it becomes gratitude because gratitude is going out to someone or something and saying, thank you. I really appreciate what you've given for me or done for me. And so I make a very clear distinction between appreciation and gratitude. And then when you're so filled with gratitude, it's just overwhelming. The gratitude dissipates and becomes pure love. And then when you become, when you find that love, it just cycles right back to becoming open and receptive. You just become more open and more receptive and more aware to the things that are deeper with inside of your heart and your mind and your soul. And once again, ladies, you see why it is I brought you PJ today. <laughs> that is exactly right. And I love what you stand for. I love who you are. I love your philosophy. And it's not just something that you talk about or teach about. It's just truly who you are at the core of your soul. And I appreciate this beyond measure. I Like I said a second ago, there were two different facets of what you had mentioned in your story that are huge touch points for me, one of which we just talked about. The other one uh, on comparison, uh, when you don't have something to compare it to, which you so beautifully and eloquently spoke to. Thank you. The other one is on uh, this moment that right before this person said, hey, I'm going to have to do an adjustment on you. This may not feel good. And I don't know if it was 10 seconds, five seconds, or a split second before, you braced yourself full well knowing, oh, this ain't going to feel good at all. Don't kid yourself. This is not going to be good at all. True. 100% true. I did. And metaphorically, we're not, right? we're not just talking about physically. Here's what I feel about this emotionally. And why I love this story so much is... Sometimes we have to get to a place of saying, if where I am is not serving me, mm. and I know it, sometimes I have to be willing to sacrifice mm. my control of what is, of what I know, and I have to realize that maybe, maybe there may be a flash of discomfort or a period of pain, but I have to be willing to sacrifice my comfort zone sacrifice what is, and it may be more painful for a period of time in order to get to a place that's better than what I could ever even imagine. And if we can't get there, if we can't get to that, 
okay, hang on. I know this may hurt and this may be uncomfortable and this may be, uh, you know, it's the line. The devil that you know is easier than the devil that you don't know. Right. So, hey, I, I, this pain I've learned to endure. What you're asking me is to endure the devil I don't know for the hope, and it ain't no promise, for the hope that on the other side, this, all of this is better than what I could imagine. So I would love for you to speak to in those moments, those few seconds before that happened, mm -hmm. that emotionally, spiritually, on physically on every level, that risk was worth it for you to say, you know what? There's no guarantee on the other side, but I'm willing to take that risk. And like I said, I think this story transcends all things and certainly as it relates to love. So I would love to go right back into that moment and say, what were you thinking right then? Because there was no guarantee. Where were you then? That's a phenomenal question. I love it. And there's so many pieces that I want to talk on. So let me say this really quick. First of all, I don't believe in sacrifice. I believe in a willing exchange. Okay. Because I think we always willingly exchange something that we want, that devil that you know, for something you want more the potential to feel better, healthier, happier, right? So um, I think there's no, for me, there's no sacrifice. There's just a willing exchange. That being said, I've also jumped out of planes. I've snow skied. Like you said in the beginning, I'm a 10th degree martial artist, 10th degree black belt rather. I have played wheelchair sports. And so anytime I was scared, I would just take a deep breath and I would say, yeah, okay, I'm scared, but I have to do this. I can't be paralyzed by fear. And so in that moment, while I was lying on the table and he said, this is not going to feel good. And I said, okay. And he said, just exactly like you said, he said, brace for it. I said, okay, I will. And I clenched my jaw because, you know, that's just what we do as human beings, right? I clenched my jaw. I took a breath and I just said, you know what? I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to go with it. I'm just going to accept it and pop. He popped that back into place. And even though it hurt so bad and I felt like I was climbing off the table trying to get away from him, it was one of those things that I would do again today if I knew what I would have afterwards. The thing is that it's always scary because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Like you said, there is no promise to that. We are often afraid of what could be and what might not be. And so instead of weighing lightly at the slower vibrations of weight and fear and worry and doubt, why not get blissful? Why not get excited about the possibilities about what could happen? Why not enter the next stage of your life with enthusiasm and zealousness and energy and life and vibrancy and bring that into the next moment of your life? It's a relationship, right? You're having a relationship with yourself. Are you going to enter a relationship bland and boring and well you know this is just how my life has always been and i'm just you know i don't ever expect it to change and god should really love to go on a second date with you oh my god shoot me now shoot me now that's terrible right versus yeah i'm really excited my life is good and sure you know i'm like a normal human being sometimes i've up sometimes i have downs but for the most part i'm really excited and like I'm just want to share with you and learn about you now i'm coming with excitement and enthusiasm for the next moment versus bringing the weight of my past and my worries and my doubts with me. Let that go. Embrace the opportunity for new change. It's all in our minds anyway. It's all in our minds and our heart. It just depends on how you want to think about it. And the nice thing is, with uh, the consciousness that we have as human beings, you get that choice. You get a choice, right? 
And that's, there's only two kinds of people in the world, Michelle. There's free people and there's slaves. Slaves are reactionary. They react to things. And to me, a reaction is a slave action. Free people, by definition, have a choice. The moment you have choice, you're free. So one of the things that I want everyone to know is I choose freedom. And so do they. Okay? It's just we get to choose something that we want more than what we want less. If your life is just okay, but you want more, great. Then make that willing exchange. There's nothing to sacrifice. You're willingly letting go of something you don't want for something that you want more. So if someone's listening right now and they say, okay, I, I definitely want more a PJ. I'll tell you that. I love this conversation and it's inspired me and it's made me maybe reevaluate or rethink not just what I think about my life and what I think about love, but really the big picture of everything. And maybe I need to reconsider my reality or what I believe to be true. If somebody wants to get a hold of you and learn more about you and your work and your programs and what you're doing, mm -hmm. what is the best way for them to do that? You know, Michelle, I'm setting something up for your audience specifically. So if they just want to go to my motivational speaking page, pjswisdom.com, again, PJS wisdom.com pjswisdom.com slash bonus they will be able to find four bonus videos on my four steps um, towards love and they should get some juicy delicious information there that might help them to take the next step towards actually learning to love themselves okay thank you so i hope everybody's jumping uh all on top of that because let me tell you what like I said, love at first sight doesn't come along very often. And to be around PJ is, uh, <laughs> it's no joke and it's life-changing. And I love the fact that we're coming up to Valentine's Day. It's the beginning of 2016. And this is still the time where we're going, hey, I'd like my life to be different than what it was in years prior. And this is a huge component of it. So I hope that you are jumping on board and taking advantage of that. I uh, cannot possibly uh, encourage you more to do that. So PJ, as we wrap up this show, and I hate it because we are already longer than my normal show is. And I knew this was going to happen because I would love this to go on for hours. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm a talker. I don't know. I love it. I'm no, a talker, I, I'm sorry. This is on me. I would, I seriously would keep you on here for hours. But that being said, uh, last two questions. And I ask everybody this who is on this show. So with your background and everything that you have gone through, endured, experienced, lived and loved, if somebody says, you know what, I would like my life for, to stand for something. Maybe I've had my challenges. I've had my hurdles. I've had my stuff. And I would like to contribute like PJ is. I would like to make a difference. I would like to be inspirational for somebody. And I, I, I'm not sure where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't even know what that looks like. If they were sitting across that lunch table that I had the honor and privilege to do with you a few months ago, and they were to look you in the eyes and say, hey, what is the single best advice you have for me to be some kind of a game changer, to be able to make a difference in this world? And I just kind of feel a little held back or, you know, withdrawn, or I've had my own hurts and pains that maybe do get in my way a little bit. What is the best advice you have for me to be a little more like you? I would say start by looking at other people and 
allow yourself to feel a softness towards them. And when you feel a softness towards them, allow a compassion to build for them. And then as the compassion builds, allow a love for them, even if you don't know them to build. And now that you've got a soft heart for them and you're having compassion for them and you have a sense of love for them, right? Now you ask yourself, how can I make their life and other people's lives better right now? Meaning, don't wonder what you can do in the future. Instead, wonder what you can do right now. And then if you can just simply smile at someone, smile at someone. If you can pat them on the shoulder or pat them on the back as you walk by, do. Because not enough people in our world get touched. Many people in the world need to be touched more. So it could just be a physical pat on the shoulder or, you know, a pat on the back as you walk by or a smile or a hug. Look at people with a soft heart, with compassion in your heart, and with love, and ask, what can I do for them right now? That's how they can make a difference. The moment you do that, um, what you are born to do will begin to reveal itself, because what you'll find is the things that mean the most to you will start to rise up, and then you'll start to move in that direction. Real truth lies and resides within love. Well, and let me tell you about his soft heart. So you clearly, ha I hope you have no awareness of this, that Ben, my audio editor, is going to take control of this. But <laughs> as we first started talking today, and to include this very moment, the audio, for some reason, in my earphones, it is, it is like at a volume negative one. And so we had several rounds of trying to figure out what the issue is. And there are people who are patient and are kind. And then there are people who meet you with such a level of grace of, wow, Michelle, how long have you been doing this? At some point, you might want to get your stuff figured out. That is absolutely not how PJ met me, but it's certainly what I felt he should have met me with. And when I say he walks his talk, that's exactly it, because it never really got figured out. And to this uh, moment, every time he's speaking, I'm pushing the earphones into my ears, really listening desperately to every word that he's saying, which I kind of almost enjoy more, truth be told. <laughs> but it is the grace that he shows up with. So when you talk about being around somebody who truly walks their talk and who is love, they embody love in everything they do. Like I said, this is exactly how he shows up. It's how he's shown up without you even realizing it on this podcast. This is exactly how he's showing up. And I, I cannot possibly uh, love him more for who he is and for what he has been and for what he does. I have visibility to some of it from uh, the group that we are both in for the work that he is doing in this world. And it, truly, it is with the most grace and appreciation that I have uh, for PJ, for, for, like I said, everything he is bringing into this world. So with that, my love, the very last question that I have for you. May I, let me say something real quick before you go to the last question. Yes, of course. And I want to say this because this is, I've never had this. I have spoken in front of hundreds of people, five, 600 people at a time. I've been on national television. I've done, this is like my 10th or 11th or 12th podcast, right? I am quaking I am quivering while I've been talking to you since I've been on the phone with you. And I don't know why I've never done this with anyone, especially on a podcast. And the entire time I've been quivering, not because I'm afraid, but because we have a palpable connection. And it's absolutely an honor to be here with you today. See, the love is in the air. Thank you. Truly, PJ, thank you. It's an honor for me. So as much as I hate to wrap this up, and trust you me, I do not want to. 
my, uh, my final question that I ask everybody out of everything, you know, and every life's experience that you have gone through to this point, if you had to really wrap your head and your heart around all of it, what is it that you believe to be absolutely true? Love is the unifying connection between all souls. There is only oneness and there is no separation. All separation that we believe exists between you and me is only a distraction and an illusion because the only thing that really matters is the consciousness and the consciousness exudes through your soul. And I know that love is the unifying force between that consciousness or between those points of consciousness known as souls. There's no question whatsoever. Well, as I'm sure you can well imagine, this is exactly why uh, the first thought that I had for this love series was, PJ, I hope that you have enjoyed every minute of this conversation as much as I have and as much as I have had from the moment that we met. And I hope that you take advantage of the offer that he's made and you jump on his website. In the show notes will be every last link to everything that he's doing. And I can promise you this, if you choose to get engaged and really spend time in thinking about what love means and what risk-taking means and what possibility means on the other side of your fear, I think you'll realize something far greater than what you can even imagine. And with the truly deepest gratitude that I have in my heart, thank you so much for spending your time with me and my audience today. It truly, honestly means the world to me. Thank you. Michelle, thank you. I love you very, very much. And I love your audience. And I'm honored to be here with you. And I look forward to talking with them. Have, you know, please go check out those videos. And there's also going to be a link there. If you want to get on a Discovering True Love conversation call with me, click on that and sign up to uh, have a conversation with me also. I love you all. Thank you so much. And happy Valentine's Day. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Game Changers podcast. The next step is to hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode or any of our incredible guests. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.